Today on Odyssey House Journals, we have a guest who I admire greatly, who has accomplished great things, who is a woman, I think, who could accomplish anything she puts her mind to. So, uh, welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle. My guest co-host is Destiny Garcia. And (laughs) our guest today, the woman who can do anything, right? (laughs) January Riggin. So, you're an (laughs) amazing person. We we had you on a podcast years and years ago. Yes. When you were just sort of in the infancy stages of of your nonprofit, yeah. Soap to Hope. Yeah, I think it was still a service project. Yeah. And <laughs> and, 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 and so d- describe how it's how it started out and why you got involved because you set out to help the same kind of people in the situation you had been in yeah my story i think what i mean obviously there's a lot of series of events that triggered the nonprofit and like this like i said it was a service project but i wanted to work with women at risk that are vulnerable of being um targeted for grooming sex trafficking exploitation pimping or are runaway homeless youth that are on the streets and I wanted to find an avenue how to get to that population because you had experienced that yeah and that's part of my story yeah and so it and at this time I already had 10 11 years in recovery when I started this and that piece of my story came out I think a lot of us come into recovery and we get desperate to you know, whatever word people want to use, like I'm not this Nazi or black and white thing, clean or sober or whatever, but we get desperate to get clean, right? And I feel like we don't get desperate to heal, right? We start doing these things of like, I'm told, you know, go to treatment, go to IOP or, you know, hit a 12-step meeting. And if you don't have a sponsor, if you don't work steps, you're going to die kind of mentality that goes on. And um, I did all of those things and my life was great, but I forgot to do the meat and potatoes behind those scenes of like (laughs) what was really my my story. And so when that piece came out, um, and I call it, you know, that trauma, trigger, whatever response that happened in my life, I had to face that piece of my story right of being exploited and targeted and being sold and selling myself and really let go of the junkie pride of my story that like I was an addict and I was a hustler and I was a G. I I hadn't heard that word junkie pride. Yeah like I think yeah and that I just and that I was in prison and this is my armor And I didn't identify with a really weak, vulnerable little girl that had a bunch of wounds that um, I was covering, obviously, with addiction and all of those other titles that I took pride in. And, um, And so when that story came out, I had to face that. And then I wanted to know what kind of, how do I work with that population? How do I work in that, in that space? And what could I offer that space, being a survivor or, you know, somebody that's came out of that life and really facing those uh, challenges? Because a lot of women don't, 
that piece of your story saying that you were trafficked or you had a pimp or you slept with 10 to 20 multiple men a night to survive or because you were told to that piece of your story is a lot harder to share Mm -hmm. than being like hey i'm you know i you know i was sleeping i was behind the door while my kid was sleeping shooting up like it's a little bit different and i know they all have their impact but uh, to know that somebody had that much power and control over you and that you really had no resources to get out. And, like, even in Utah, we lack, like, that kind of support system for high-risk sex workers, trafficked victims, you know, ex- exploitation. Like, a lot of it is based around specifically mental health, substance abuse, and, like, that is it, right? It's like, And that's, like, telling someone if you weren't addicted you wouldn't have been targeted and that's untrue right that vulnerability is exposed but traffickers they they target anybody they they don't discriminate right and so we have and I always compare it it's like telling a female if you wouldn't have got your husband pissed off you wouldn't have got hit that is unfair (laughs) right that is unfair you cannot and so I want to be an advocate and like I said it was a that was a hard word for me to swallow as survivor. Um, and then I think it became really mainstream, that word, right? Like, because that, like, mainstream media started to, sure, like, sure. celebrities started to get exploited or, you know, like, higher-end families, their daughters. Like, but I wanted my story, right? The girls that never get to report, don't have family support, don't have the money, to you know fly to these programs or have a rescue or you know operators are looking for them right and so so dope started just as like you um going into these vulnerable places even i I remember it was so it was so boots on the ground limited thing that you were doing you were taking wound care kits and 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 i can't remember hygiene hygiene and stuff like that and you were actually like knocking on motel room doors on north temple where you still do we yeah we still do that we will never lose the grassroots uh piece of who we are now have we expanded and we're able to create some new avenues absolutely but my outreach absolutely has stayed the same i the tuesday route has never changed for six years like what we do and how many hotel doors we knock on and what areas we go into now like i said it it's expand like now we go into some camps or we go into some neighborhoods or we go into certain locations where we know that girls are working or that there's you know, people that are using drugs or IV injection because now we're in a harm reduction program that provides syringe exchange, safe injection sites, our kits, and then we provide safe sex kits, plan B, contraceptives, wound care, resources. We have a a bus fare program so everybody can get a daily bus pass or a monthly bus pass with our HCV program. And so we do like a lot of things on the boots in the ground still. And that's still my meat and potatoes. That's like my baby. I don't think anybody can 
get me to change that even if I even I if they were so either. <laughs> like even if somebody came in and offered me millions of dollars I still wouldn't change and, that and, piece and, and, and what strikes me about because a lot of people we have an outreach team at, 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 at Odyssey VOA does uh, the downtown Alliance has people, oh yeah have people walking around what struck me is the population that you pinpointed at that point you need to build a rapport with mm-hmm. them. You, you, you oh. can't just be anybody, say, <laughs> going down on North Temple, knocking on doors, saying, hey, do you need some help? Yeah. You, you got to know these people. Yeah, uh, I am. I have been out there. I mean, it gets me emotional because they have a story. They have a face. They have a name. They have their, um, to me, they're, they're more than the situation that's going on. And I have been out there with them. And even though it's expanded, I'm in the executive director, and I still do the outreach. Like I go, my feet hit the pavement every Tuesday, which we're getting ready without to do fail. right without, without fail. fail. I have never missed a Tuesday, and Regardless I have weather or anything. Oh else. yeah, even if I'm traveling out of the country, I make it back by Tuesday. <laughs> so, oh. like I have been able to create this thing, but they're in, like I see them every week, so they know me and I know their story. Right, you know, and I, I, they trust me and I have part of their story. Now, everybody's story is different. We know that from addiction and we know that from sure. trauma and mental health. And that's even in that, that population, right? High-risk sex working, being trafficked or being pimped or like consenting. Like, right, we all have our own story, but there's something that happens that there's these layers that happen in that that I think... Um, we're just missing that population even when they come into the pro- like into programs as that piece is really neglected mm-hmm. to talk about right and then we've evolved in treatment world where there's like no longer women's facilities or co-ed there's like all these things that it's hard for that story to come out in places. And I know that there's a lot more involvement. I do think people are going back to the separation of like we need women's and men's, but, and there's more programs opening like John Red's with Reprieve and all of that, like that is like healing for women. It's not based around you have a problem, this happened to you. It's about something happened to you and let's work on that, right? And so I think a lot of women in our program, and I think that's why a lot of recidivism happens is because we address that there was a problem and if you don't fix that problem then you're never going to get better and I think that if we don't start talking to people about what happened to them and what got you to cope with as a situation and what do you need to stay on this path it we're going to see more racism or an increase in deaths than we ever have. There may be people watching this or listening to this who say wait a minute, this is Utah. We don't have, it, it's probably a really small problem. Sex workers, trafficking, pimps, we don't have that here. <laughs> right, yeah, you're right. You're, I'm, that is the pushback, right? That is the pushback. But we do, right? We do. We have, we have a lot of it. A we, big time problem? Yes. Or? And we have agents and we have departments and we have, you know, people constantly coming out of this. And sometimes it's, it's not like all the time, like I work with a spe- specific vulnerable population, like their vulnerabilities, really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their, their vulnerabilities are exposed, right? Mm-hmm. So they have criminal backgrounds, they have addiction, they have mental health, they lack family support, 
They, um, you know, they've already been in abusive, they have childhood trauma from sexual abuse, sexual violence, domestic violence in the home, where some of that is already normalized for them, right? Or they come from their mom is a sex worker, the familiar trafficking goes on and it's just easier. But then we have so many layers in the state of Utah where like our kids are being groomed at a increasingly rate like rate online right and so we have like ICAC that's you know investigation crimes against children and that that netto evidence or statistics in the state of Utah would be crazy for you guys to look at at that department right but and getting them to come out of their home and leaving their safety and then they're being groomed or sending pictures and exploitation and and that is going on at an increasing rate in the state of Utah and and obviously we have our you know recent cases is like people buying homes and offering these girls coming out of prison and we're going to give you an apartment but now you have to set up dates and they have to you get an allowance and those have been huge bust in the state wow. of Utah and then we have low end hotels or traffickers that have control or drug dealers that they're they have this area and girls have to come with so much and then they get their allowance of drugs or their there's profitable right but globally like trafficking is a billion dollar industry and like and probably the part of the problem is western society we have some sick fetishes Hmm. Like we have some disgusting fetishes. Like in, we think in little innocent are Utah, this is going on. Wow. I think it goes on everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Back well, to well, the, well, the healing part. I think this there needs to be long term healing for these women and children. Or the, yes. Especially if you started as a child and you go into it as a woman and you're coming out. These treatment centers aren't. They're not reaching the traumas that these people have been through, and they're not in there long enough to really break the egg. That, yeah, you're right. And and so we, I have to send, most of the women that I work with, I have to send them out of state. Yeah. So I have to pay for their flight, get them an advocate, get them assessed, um, have another advocate, pick them up from the airport. And those programs are anywhere from, like, those women can stay anywhere from a year to, like, three years. Right. If Utah had programs like that, you wouldn't be shipping them other places? No, I would not. I mean, some do need to leave, yeah. right? Like, this is too triggering, traumatic. Right, right. They have no safe space. Their trafficker has, actually hasn't been prosecuted. There's multiple people involved in that ring. And yeah. so going around and um, and there's ways to, neg- like, get that influence. Like, hey, don't right. testify. Hey, we'll offer you. So most of them do go out of state at this moment. Um and there's incredible programs out of state that only works for traffic survivors. So, and that they have like these programs where they end up in kind of working as a survivor and like build these like really cool avenues for women to get into school and learn these trades and like be successful and have confidence and get their teeth done or yeah. whatever those things are that make you want to come back out in the public. Because even for me, like, my story is so like that happened when I was a teen, right? And then I got into the life by being, you know, I wanted to mm-hmm. sell myself and I thought I was cool and I thought I could make my own money and nobody is going to take this from me. And um and recruiting and I recruited a lot of other women into this, you know, uh, it's traumatizing industry, right? And um I 
I sometimes forget, like, for me, like, going into stores is very triggering, right? Like, I don't know who's around the mm-hmm. aisle. Like, I don't know who's around I the aisle. I about this. Before. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. or if I'm in a crowded place, like, I don't know who, what man's walking through or a certain smell or a cologne mm-hmm. that can paralyze me in this space where Still. I'm like, I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. that I am scared, right? And and I, I recently just celebrated 17 years in recovery, right? You know what I mean? And and I feel like that's pretty cool because there's not a lot of women with long-term I know, recovery. I know, I look up to you so much. I just love you and the work that you I'm do. Like, I'm gonna just like, do a little like dance because like <laughs> I sometimes I don't see a lot of women with long-term recovery right and I know I came in a long time ago and there is women with that five six years but like some don't make it past that like 10 or 12 or 15 and those are hard years mm-hmm. right like because you get comfortable right you get comfortable here and we forget to continue to do the work and or continue so, to do the healing yes mm-hmm. and so I Man, I, yeah, I still have my own trigger responses, you know, airports, a lot for me, you know, going into other states, because then there, that is not familiar for me, right? And so certain demeanors or actions or reactions can always, and like that is survivors all the way around, right? Like they've either been taken or, you know, there, there is that story. Mm-hmm. It's not always like the movies, but right. women have been right? And kids have been absolutely kidnapped, right? And so that fear of being in public and safe and at the park, and that could happen to you again, that is for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like that just doesn't go away. So you away. think these triggers are going to last forever? Right. You. Absolutely. Wow. I, I just do different work, right? Like I am like, have safety places and I, I get to leave the store if I feel triggered. I get to call someone. I have amazing boyfriend that goes in the store and just watches me spiral out and then <laughs> and then laughs at me and then's like hey are you ready to leave right and um whatever those things are but it's so cool to go home and know that you didn't take that as a place to relapse right you didn't act on those triggers you are still safe like you have a support system like to know that all of those things are in place like it's an incredible place to be does soap to hope need any help or or do you have millions of dollars and you can do whatever you no. want <laughs> <laughs> i just thought i'd throw that out say. no we do not have millions of dollars we i mean building a nonprofit is probably the most incredible mountain i've ever had to climb right and the most trying I had no idea that you had to have so many things in place. That's right? why I admire you so much because you went through all that yes, stuff. Yes, and I think there's a lot of grassroots nonprofits that are super cool and incredible and impactful, but they just don't know those things. And I'm like really self-taught, self-driven. Like I would look up like what checklist you need to have if you wanted to go for federal money. Like what do you have to have in place? Hey, what kind of webinars? What kind of grant writing? Like I'm going to get on YouTube. And like I have a manic disorder. Like very and so like staying up late watching all these things and like staying up in the morning and going all crazy with them was really uh impactful for me but like we still as a harm reduction program like there's lax funding right um a lot of money goes like even if there's homeless money or that like goes into the shelters it doesn't go to the boots on the ground grassroots programs which those programs need them right and 
I have been able to win money and get federal funding and state funding and get grants and like have incredible people in our lives. But it's never like I've never won like billions of dollars and people are like just throwing money at us. So we always need in-kind donations, like donate on our website. If you are someone that has those type of talents, grant writing, any of those, like please get a hold of us. We would love to, you know, get involved. And we had incredible people get involved and write us and we've won some. But we definitely have cool things throughout the year as fundraisers or clothes drives or, you know, safe sex kits drives where, like, we need condoms, we need supplies, we need these boots on the ground, basic hygiene stuff that we need as an organization. But, um, and we have our big fundraiser coming up in December that um, that is my, that's just my, I love that event. It's so, so impactful. Yeah, it's this year's pretty incredible. The survivor that's flying in from out of state that's been out there from our outreach with another mentor of hers so she's safe and doesn't be at a hotel room alone, all of those things. And and over the years that we've had survivors that have come out from Canada or Vegas or you know, St. George that are willing to share their story so people know what there's so many myths about trafficking mm-hmm. and there's so many different layers of what exploitation or trafficking or grooming or targeting or being in the life or fleeing the life means, right? There's so many words. People what, still what are the use the predominant myths. That it only happens to girls, right? Boys get trafficked too, right? Or it only happens overseas right in third world countries and it's these poverty and they're being sold for like it is happening here like there's you know there's so many you're held hostage that is untrue right like there's a lot of myths in that like some are some are not right like there's like but people still look at trafficking as this like they see it on mainstream one girl's story or they see it in a movie and then they say oh that's not happening here because that's not we don't see that (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So there's so that gala, our annual gala in December is huge for us to raise money, bring money in. Uh, Tickets will be launching tomorrow and sponsorship has been incredible. And so we're just working on that helps us stay afloat through the year. How, so how do somebody people wanted fi- find out about where you going to ask the same, same question. Yep. We're on the same path. Yes. It's it's soap two. Yeah, number, two, number two, hope. Hope. Yeah, and it's like we have a website. A lot of our like I think a lot of our presence too is mostly on social media like Facebook. If you get on our Facebook page, like we have all of our events and what's going on and like actual giving these people humanizing them like we humanize their story like when we meet them and we're doing wound care or seeing them you know going into programs or that they just got raped or sexually assaulted or someone like we humanize them and share their story without exposing who they are but we tell their story not ours not what we did for them right like just what And so our social media, our Facebook is a really cool place to just go see like the real authentic pieces of who we are. So a lot of our events, the gala, the launching, like when tickets go on sale will be mostly on Facebook. We do have an Instagram. And then, um, but yeah, our website, like in, even on our website, there's really cool podcasts that I've done over the years too with other survivors 
and being on their podcast and it's been really cool for you to get and like get educated here mm-hmm. and get educated on our UTIP task force website in the state of Utah. It talks about human trafficking. It talks about signs. It talks about how to protect your kids. Maloof Foundation is a really good one for parents with online grooming and predator and like Which having sure at an all time high right now. Yes. And you oh. will have amazing resources for your kids that are even like four and five that are on the, that can't leave this yeah. space. Right. right? Um, our ICAC, like UTIP, is Utah Trafficking in Persons um, Committee, and I, I, they have. I threw a fit. Just so <laughs> you, you, <got laughs> you did? No way. It's hard to believe, isn't it? This yeah, calm, reserved, quiet they, little woman. Yeah, they did a. They did an operation at a hotel that I first my one of the very first hotels that I started knocking on the door and there was probably about 40 girls in there being exploited and living and selling themselves and you know sex work and this owner but um that operation left a lot of those women like homeless and no resources and traumatic and like exposed like they even exposed some of the women's names in the article and on the mm. document or court documents and those women were targeted and beat up and like this like he had a lot of power right and so you know me and my sassy ass mm. i don't even know if i can use that word it's kind of but anyways <laughs> yeah i uh i that's very good <laughs> Yeah. I emailed the attorney general's office and the and I lost my ever loving mind as a survivor. Did, did and they so, agree with you? Oh yeah. So that that but that moment is started change, right? And so they started the first ever victim services for human trafficking subcommittee under the attorney general's office. And I'm the co-chair of that. And wow. I'm, yes. yeah. And so, yeah. So they have a survivor at the table with a criminal background and addiction background and at chairing that committee with, there's probably about 14, 15 other organizations that are on that committee that help, um, I mean, that deal with polygamy, um, they deal with youth, they deal with the criminal, the criminal justice system being trafficked when they get out and with Journey of Hope. And like there's there's p- specific Islander like they have something culturally like we have people from, you know, the Hispanic culture that are on there for women to have barriers or men are coming mm-hmm. out of the life like it's an incredible organization where we offer resources and then we invite people to teach us about their resources so we can expand more victim services for human trafficking in the state of Utah. And that all started because I... Because Because you threw a fit. Yeah. Good, good job. I, I was... A, a January fit. Yeah. I know. We need to come up with a good uh, name for yeah. it. Yeah. state. <laughs> we are out of time, believe it or not. Oh, but, okay. But my, my hat's off to you, and I'm sure you feel the same way, Destiny. You're... you're you're an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for all you do. So, if you want to find out more about it, soap to the number hope. <laughs> yep. dot com or ut dot com. Soap to hope ut dot com. Yep. Thank you, January. Thank you. Thanks, Destiny, and thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Dreams. 